time, and if you have a Bible, open with me to the book of James. That'll be our scripture for this morning. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. I will remain standing in the honor of the reading of God's word this morning. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 16 says this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. May God bless this word. You can be seated at this time. Well, I want to welcome you to White Oak this morning. As always, church, I, I'm just so honored to open God's word with you humbly, that we'd come before it and we would just learn from it. Uh, the Jesus life is so different than everything else in the world. Following Jesus is so different from kind of all the other voices that we hear in the culture. And yet if you're like me, the more and more you follow Jesus and you begin to live like him, Everything in life makes sense. It, it's, it might not be pain-free, but the ride is amazing. I think deep down all of us feel the sense to live an amazing life full of meaning and purpose and happiness and joy. We all want to overcome our sin and our brokenness and our struggles. And I just offer you this morning as we offer uh, or open the word that, that, that this is it for you today. That this is it. That this is what you're looking for right here. So may we dive in together this morning. The title of this morning is Good Works or Good Talk. Good Works or Good Talk. And if you were here uh, last Sunday for our uh, annual Vision Sunday, where I had the honor of kind of casting uh, not just the, the big picture for White Oak, but specifically kind of what we as a church want to be about in the year 2017, um, then you'll, you'll notice that this talk this morning is kind of zoning in on one of the critical things we talked about last week. We're calling this year for our church a year of mission, a year of engaging the world around us. We want to gather every single Sunday morning. We want to engage the lives of one another. And the way that we do that is through gathering on Sundays like right now. Like I don't know about you, but when you guys show up, it pumps me up, right? It pumps me up to do this and to follow Jesus together. But we also have community groups that we want to lean into. And so we have groups for every kind of person in every stage of life. Um, most of them meet on Sunday morning uh, right before our gathering. I want to challenge you to be a part of those this spring. We, we have our official launch for all those groups next Sunday. So I invite you to come be a part of that. But the third part of the vision is what I want to zone in on today. And it's this idea that we as a church and that we as followers of Jesus want to become intentional about serving our city and our world in real works and deeds around us. I want to zoom in on this today. And I want to do this, and I think it's so important because I think if you're like me, uh, there is a breakdown in some ways between, I think, what we often say and what we often do. Maybe you've been in a Bible study or maybe you've talked to someone and you talk about it's, it's good to, to help those in need. It's good to love the homeless. It's a, it's a good thing that should be done, right? We, we all say we want to change our community for the better. 
We all say we want to make a difference in the world, and we all say that we want to be the hands and feet of Christ that serve the world. We, we say those things, right? And I say those things. And yet, what I find oftentimes is when I look at my life, my life preaches a very different message. My life often preaches the message of busyness. What about you? My life often preaches a message of if I, if I do more good things, then maybe I'll increase my standing in this world. That is the message that my life often preaches. I referenced last week an actual statistic from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and it was a, a fascinating study. They found in 2013 that amongst the people that they surveyed, 25% of people, okay, 25% of people said that they volunteered at a charitable organization at least once that year. Whereas a different study of people polled found that 96% of people said that volunteering and helping in charitable ways in our world and community is a good thing that should be done. And I think this rings true, right? I mean, all of us say, you know, go, go talk to your friends, whether they're Christians or they're not Christians. It's like, you know, should you help those in need? Everyone's like, well, yeah, of course you should, right? You totally should do that. And yet when we begin to ask ourselves, when was the last time we actually stepped out and really tried to engage in a work like this in our city, people are like, well, I went on a mission trip two years ago and I did this thing this one time randomly. But at the very least, we don't have a rhythm in our life for ministering to the city. And the Bible clearly speaks to this in our text this morning in James chapter 2, verse 14. If you'll look there with me again, we're gonna, I'm going to read it one more time. James says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Here's the good news this morning. We're going to come together. We're going to read this text. We're going to go to the scriptures. And it's just my prayer that we would grow together in this. We want to get better, right? We want to, we want to improve, right? We, we want to be more loving to the people around us because that's what brings meaning to the life. That's what God created us to do. But before we can do this, and before I can give you some practical ways that this year for you can be a year of mission, that this year can be the year where you actually make a difference in the world and in your community, we have to start right where James starts. And I think essentially what James says is that what I do is the clearest, purest, most accurate picture of what I believe. Repeat that with me. It should be up on the screen. What I do is the clearest, purest, most accurate picture of what I believe. We have to start here this morning, right? And I think the critical word in our, our text this morning in, in James 2 verse 14 is, what good is it, my brother, if somebody says he has faith? What James is tackling in this text is not do work save you. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Like, like our faith in Christ is what saves us. What he did on the cross and what he did in the resurrection, that is what saves us. But what James is offering us this morning is an evaluation for what we really believe because the reality, reality is we say a lot of stuff, right? I was talking to, with Halsey about this this week, right? And I think sometimes we just talk. You know, 
You ever been, like, been to a party or a social gathering and you just kind of saying stuff like, did that just come out of my mouth? That was awkward. Did I really say that? You're just kind of talking because that's what you do and, and it's awkward for it to be quiet. And so you just kind of talk and you talk and you talk. And I think in life, we just kind of say things, you know. We talk to people and our goal in talking to someone, we're not trying to be like super truthful. We're just trying to have an engaging conversation with somebody, right? And so we say things and we say the right things and we try to say what we're supposed to say, but, but we really just say stuff, right? I'm a pastor and so when people interact with me, I can tell when it's like, you know, like, like, like they just kind of say things that a pastor wants to hear, you know. They say good things about the church and they, they, they say, oh, I've been reading my Bible, pastor. You know, it's like, I'm like this like, man of God, you know, and it's like, I'm like the this, like, shrine over me. And they're like, they, they kind of talk differently to me. You know, I didn't used to be a pastor, but I became a pastor and all of a sudden everyone kind of treats you a little bit different. And yet I found a really good way to find out what people really believe is, is really simple. And I think it's what James offers us. You, you just look at their life. Just look at what we do. Because people talk and people lie. And we talk and we lie. And I think honestly, if, if, if we're being real, probably as a people, we put way too much emphasis on the things people say. We just kind of go on autopilot and we just kind of believe everything, right? And I think that's how we get in bad relationships. Because someone like has told me that they love me, right? That, that they say it, you know, and yet their actions never really seem to convey that. This is how we get in bad job situations, bad situations in life, bad family situations. This is how bad deals come about as we just kind of talk and yet there's no follow through in our actions. James is actually writing this text to a group of people that came out of the Jewish tradition, believed the gospel, were following Jesus. They went from a lifestyle of saying, well, I'm good because I obey what God says, but now they were in this thing called grace through faith. And yet the problem was they thought that, well, what they did didn't matter anymore. They thought, you know, I don't have to love people. I don't have to help those in need because my faith is what saves me. And so, you know, all this other stuff is just kind of legalism. I don't have to actually do anything. I just have to believe the right stuff. And I think for far too long as a church and as the church in general, we've kind of just bought into that a little bit too much. I think the church, we've been good at telling people about Jesus and belief, and that is important and that is essential, but we've we've kind of not really emphasized how that transforms us and how that makes us different citizens and different neighbors. I heard it said this week, the gospel that you believe should be good news for your neighbor as well. It should be a good thing that they live next door to you. It should be a good thing that your coworkers get to work with you because you're a blessing in that place, because you're available, because you're a minister everywhere that you go. And this is what James is talking about this morning. And so if I might pose a question this morning, I'd ask, if you lost your ability to speak tomorrow, how would you convey your love for Jesus to the world? If you could only define what you truly believed this past week based upon the way that you lived your life, what would it be that you believed this past week? James encouraged us to be a people who bring this beautiful merger between what we say and what we do. What if that was your life? What if all the things that we always say, what if all the deeds that we always talk about are good things to do? What if our lives began to blossom those things in this city? Because here's the good news. You were created for good works. You were created to be a blessing to this world. It says it in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. It'll be up on the screen. Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, 
not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created to do good things. We were created to love. This is why love feels fulfilling. This is why serving people feels like the most fulfilling thing you could ever do. Like you were created to do this. The same God that created the Rocky Mountains created you. How amazing is that? The same God that created the universe created you and gave you a purpose and a mission in this world. How amazing is it that the most gospel-centered passage in all of the Bible compels us to good works and to love people. When we do not exist to be a blessing, we are not fully human because Ephesians 2 says we were created to do this. It is in our humanity. And when we are obedient to Jesus, we do good works. And when we are disobedient, we begin to buy into the individualistic culture that we live in. I found it so awesome that we came to this topic this morning on Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. I love studying about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. When I was a kid, he was probably one of my favorite people to study. For some reason, I was really into like Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King Jr. I don't know what it was. You know, you go up in school, you hear about all these people, and both those guys always just stuck out to me. And yet it's funny, when you think of Martin Luther King, I think what most people often go to is like his famous speeches, right? Like, raise your hand, you've heard I Have a Dream speech, right? Man, he could bring it. I listened to some of his like sermons and talks on YouTube today, and like Dr. King's one of those guys, he could read the telephone book and it would sound prophetic, you know? It's just like, he's like, John Wethington, 713. Like, it's just, oh my goodness, it's like God's speaking to me, you know? I say, you want a good sermon, go, just go to YouTube, search Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s sermon, and probably everything that comes up is absolutely, I mean, he's got the voice, he's got the, the rhetoric, I mean, just an amazing speaker. He wasn't a perfect man, but he was devoted to his cause, and yet the thing about Martin Luther King that I think we don't often realize was it wasn't his speaking ability that built his platform. You see, the reality is in the civil rights movement, there was a lot of really good speakers. The, the movement was blessed with a lot of very articulate, convincing people. There was a lot of gifted speakers and communicators, and Martin Luther King was one of them. But what ultimately made Dr. King what he was, was they said it was his ability to rally people together. It was his ability to actually lead rallies, to organize, to mobilize people. It was his ability to get out into the real world and to meet people and to meet real needs and to pull people into this wonderful cause that he was marching for. That was what built his platform, was good works in the real world. Most people don't know that the, the Montgomery bus boycott, where, where Rosa Parks famously didn't give up her seat, that was led, that boycott was led by Martin Luther King Jr. Most people often don't know that the speech he gave, I Have a Dream, on the famous March on Washington in 1963, that Martin Luther King was actually one of the six key organizers in it. He wasn't just the guy that let everyone else do like the groundwork and then he would just show up and bless everyone with an amazing speech and kind of fade off into the distance again, right? He, he wasn't a talking head, he was an organizer. He actually marched in the march. You see, Martin Luther King wasn't just a man with good thoughts or good talk, though he had that. He was a man of good works. He was a man who believed in his cause deeply. And he was a man that ultimately gave his life for it. 
And it's the reason why we celebrate him on this weekend. You see, I think the point of that is that we often want to share the gospel with people and tell people about Jesus. But the question I was asking myself this week is like, what is the platform that we've built to actually share that message? Church, this morning, your life, the way you live builds a platform. And everything that you say is judged based upon the way that we live our lives in the real world. And I think to figure out how to do this, we have to always look to Jesus, right? How did Jesus do it? What, what, what was he about? And I think what we see in Jesus with his ministry and what he was about was that Jesus is not just a theory, but he brought clarity to love. He's not just a theory, because here's the problem, right? We think too much. Raise your hand this morning if you think you think too much sometimes. Raise your hand. Well, I, I think too much. We think ourselves into faith and out of faith. We, we think, we think, we think, we think ourselves into love and out of love. We, we think this way, we think that way. We've got questions and we just think and we think and we think and we think. And yet the Christian life is not just supposed to be sitting in a room by yourself, logically, deeply thinking about everything. The Christian life is like a life of skin and bones, of out in the world, actually loving and caring for people. Sometimes we think too much and sometimes we, we talk too much. But what happens in the Christian life as you follow Jesus is the more you actually begin to, in your flesh and in your life, do the things that he says just through simple obedience, the more everything makes sense. Everything makes sense as we do it. If you're here this morning and you struggle with faith, if you struggle to maintain an active, personal relationship with Jesus, just try simple obedience. Jesus says to love those in need, to, to feed the homeless. This week, take five minutes, go feed a homeless person. Buy them a, a gift card for five bucks to McDonald's or something and, and go give it to that person. And then begin to contemplate the deeper truths of Christianity and the cosmological argument and all those kinds of things. Simple obedience. Be patient. When you're tempted to, to, to go into a fit of rage or anger or frustration or to be impatient, Say to yourself, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be patient and I'm going to trust Jesus. Pray for the Spirit to fill your life, to, to be obedient to everything he's called you to do in the everyday. And then contemplate the deeper truths. You see, we have to get to the place, church, where we begin to actually practice good works in our community and our daily life. In James 1.27, it says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus begins sending out his followers into ministry, and uh, they were not very good, like most of us, right? They, they, they were not good at keeping the commands, but he would send them out two by two into the places. And he said, love people, serve people, heal people, bless people. He sent them out, and he'd send them out, and they'd come back, and they'd give them a report of how it happened, right? But he was sending them out to, to practice it, right? And, and so here's the thing. I know all of us, we, like, we want to be like Mother Teresa. You know, we all want to have that kind of a legacy, right? But it really just begins with some simple works of obedience. There was a, a myth that came out a few years back that everyone was jumping on. Uh, there was some research that was misinterpreted. And it was research, you might have heard this, where it said it took 21 days to form a habit, right? I don't know if you ever heard about that, right? But it's this really big story. 
And Forbes released a follow-up article after it began to pick up steam and said that this, this information about the 21 days to create a habit was actually not true and that scientifically it actually takes us about 60 or 70 days of doing something consistently to form a habit scientifically. And so not like you have to do something every single day for 60 days, but say you want to do something once a week or once every three days. If you do something consistently in a rhythm for about 60 to 70 days, what they essentially say is it just becomes ingrained in who you are and what you do. See, the amazing thing about Jesus is the things that we struggle with, like maybe it's anger or maybe it's apathy, that we struggle with those things because we've allowed them to become part of the culture of our lives. We've done them for a long time, and we've given way to them for a long time, and so they just kind of become our natural reactions to things. But our vision is this year, our dream, and what Jesus calls us to is like, what if we became a people where it was just natural to love and serve and bless the city? And so one of the things that we've talked about, right, because here's the thing, listen. As White Oak, like, we're not going to end homelessness, right? We're not going to end homelessness this year. Another one of our ministries we want to be devoted to is to the elderly, to loving those who often are are stuck in their homes by themselves or in nursing homes, and and many times they feel forgotten. We're not going to end that problem. And we want to take the gospel to the nations. We want to be about global missions, and probably Wad Oak, that'd be cool if we did, but we're not going to reach every unreached people group. But our commitment is this. Let's follow Jesus, and let's do our part. Church, we will not end homelessness, but we will minister to it. And by minister to it, I mean we will actually do it this year. No more talking. No more going through the motions again, right? No more just kind of sharing a post on Facebook and saying, I'm creating awareness about something, you know. Go me. We're actually going to do it this year. We're actually going to step out into these areas of obedience. And so some ways that we're going to do this is we actually have a, a drive going next week. So um, this week and next week, we're actually collecting supplies uh, for homeless people in our city. Um, what's really cool is our youth have caught a passion for homeless ministry. And so on January 27th specifically, our youth are going to go out and they're going to give things to the homeless. And we're specifically collecting things like packaged snacks, socks, underwear, and sleeping bags. And so this week, if you want to take what we're talking about and actually do it, spend five minutes Go to Walmart, go to Walgreens, go to Kroger, buy a few things. Just buy, buy one sleeping bag, buy one package of underwear, and bring it to church with you next week and drop it in that foyer. And let's begin to build a habit of loving people. It's amazing, as we've been talking about this um, the past few weeks, it's amazing how I, I find that I feel like even for me recently, like the past few years, I've just kind of ignored people that weren't in line with kind of where I was going in life. And it's amazing how when we begin to talk about these things, I begin to, to notice hurting people around me more. I began to feel more compassion for them, and, and I begin to feel Jesus constantly calling me to engage in the brokenness, and not to just be burdened to always fix every problem, because Jesus is the Savior, I'm not the Savior. But it's amazing how he's been calling us to like step into these moments and step into these problems. And so you might be saying, well, it sounds good, John, but how do I actually do this consistently? How do I build a life around this? How do I raise my kids with an awareness 
and with the heart for people at the margins, people who don't have the things that I have? How do I create a sustained rhythm of loving people like Jesus did? You know, like, I love the stories. I love the gospels. I love how he ministers to people. But, like, I'm, I'm busy, and I've got a full-time job, and I've got three kids, and I've got a lot going on. Like, how do I create a sustainable rhythm of this? How do I not just hear it and forget it as soon as I leave here? And the amazing thing is that scripture has an answer for us. And it's in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. It should be up on the screen. It says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The way that we create a sustainable rhythm of loving our city, of loving our community, and preaching the gospel with our words, but also with our care and compassion for those around us, is simply, as it says in Hebrews, Jesus-centered community. Wide Oak, we have to destroy the myth that we can do it on our own. If there's one thing that has held me back and probably you back is that I don't need anybody else. I can do it on my own. I can remember this on my own. We have to destroy the myth that I'm awesome and don't need anybody else. We have to admit we need people, that we need community, that what the city needs is not me to get on fire, but for a movement to spread. Martin Luther King was known for having people all around him, encouraging him, telling him stories, giving him feedback, helping him do his things, helping him organize the rallies, helping him craft the speeches. Martin Luther King had a team all around him. The greatest leaders always say it over and over again. Steve Jobs once said that the the best advice for running a really amazing company, he goes, spend all your time finding the best team you can possibly find put them together, and lead them. He says, nobody can do it alone. And this is why the church exists. Christian Community Weekly reminds you what life is really about. That it's about Jesus and loving people and ministering to people. It's about growing in our knowledge and understanding of the glory of God. It reminds us, and the problem is, without community, our whole lives just get wrapped up in jobs and bills and paying the mortgage. And I just had my first kid, and so I'm, I'm literally the dad that's got the wife, the, the kid, and the mortgage, you know? And I, I can just see, man, if it's not for the church, I, I just get sucked into that whole world of just get by, just make sure that there's food on the table, this, that, and then 2017 will, will pass, and, and my family, they'll be healthy but I don't feel like I've really made the difference that I want to make. And so my challenge for you, for every person here, and some will do it and some will not, my challenge for you this spring is for everybody to join a community group. Everyone to have consistent, solid, smaller Christian community in your life. And get it, we've all got excuses, right? And we're all busy, Right, and we've all got our specific reason why I went to a group once, and I, you know what, I, I didn't like it or something, or you know I kind of forgot about it or, or whatever. We've all got excuses, and yet at some point, we realize 
that we need other people to keep us accountable and to encourage us to love the people around us in this city. Every single person in our church that is in a community group this spring, you will be a part of feeding the homeless. You will be a part of ministering to the elderly and you will be a part of taking the gospel to the nations. You will actually have a hand in doing these things because we will do them together. And I, I, I know, like I said last week, I, I know you're like, John, this is so different. You know, like that's kind of, you know, all my other friends don't do this and, and they don't give time to this. And the reality is, yes, I, I'm asking you to be different, right? I'm asking you to step out and not be like all your other friends and all the other people, right, who do all the other things, right? Because if, if we're going to do things, right, if we're going to really follow the life that Jesus has for us, we're going to be different, We're going to have to shine bright to follow these things. So I want to encourage you to join us next week for Community Group Sunday. And I want to encourage you to maybe bring some supplies for the homeless next Sunday and to drop it off in the foyer as we take those things out to those in need. As we uh, draw to to a close, um, I was reading this week, and uh, it had been a a while since I would read the story of, like, the, the cross, And I think in our world that oftentimes kind of talks about love in maybe like an ambiguous kind of way and and in a way where it kind of just sounds kind of like a mental kind of thing. I was reminded that that on the cross, as Jesus was, was crucified, that that was really God on that cross dying. It wasn't just a metaphor It wasn't just kind of an ambiguous notion of describing what was happening. It was literally God on the cross dying for you and for me. He was really beaten, like really beaten with real painful objects that we would be forgiven. The nails that were driven into him were real nails, metal, It was a real wooden cross on which he hung. And the pain that he felt was real and excruciating. There was real blood dripping from his wounds, real cries of pain, and real death. He experienced all of those things on the cross. And yet that's what makes the resurrection so amazing and so hopeful. It's because he really rose. And when he rose in fullness, it was really him and the real fullness of God really had overcome death, had really defeated our sin, had really begun to renew the world and to bring love back into a broken world. And every time that we love people and every time we love the least of these, we carry the hope of the resurrection to them. And so that's our goal this year, White Oak, is to really do it, is to really feed the hungry, really love the lonely, have real conversations, be in real community with each other in person. May we be a people this year of not just good talk, but good works because the life that Jesus offers us and the good works that you're called to this week are real things. Let's pray.
Father, we come to you this morning. And God, this is the part where we are reminded, Lord, of how amazing you are and the amazing life that you call us to. God, I know that for for many of us, we're we're just so busy, Lord. There's so much going on. Yet, Lord, I, I pray that you would remind us of the works you've called us to. God, I pray when people look at White Oak that they don't just look at us as a people with a, with a different worldview. I pray they don't just look at us as a people who, who talk a lot about Jesus, but who, who talk about him and who are in the active practice of doing the things that he did. Jesus, you changed the world. And it's our simple prayer this morning that you would continue to change the world through us this week and this year. We pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.